self, and then he just gets busy doing it. I really, like, I wish I could just do that too. Like, oh, the Bible says do this. Okay, I'm just going to do it right now. It's easy. No fear. Whatever. I, I really appreciate that Jesus, like, he just says it, and then he just does it. And he's already been doing all these things. But he wants people to know why. Like, why am I healing people? Why am I giving people back their sight? Why am I walking around, like, spouting these things that kind of sound like the law, but are, like, different from the way you interpreted them before? The kingdom of heaven is here, he says. Repent. The year of the Lord's favor is here. Amos 5 describes it in this way. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is what our great and just God does for us. For his justice never stops setting things right. Just as water just continually flows down like a stream, God's justice is continually pouring out on our earth. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus gives us a very real but kind of difficult example of what justice looks like. As I was talking with a friend this week about this passage, the story of the Good Samaritan, she noted how significant this story is to our society today, but often we frame it around like just being nice, like be a nice person, like be a neighbor. But the word of God really is living and active. And today, church, this parable is not about just being nice. It's about God's justice here on earth. And it has just as much to speak to us today as it did then. So I'm going to start reading in Luke 10, verse 25. It says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He knew that this man had already memorized the entire law. Why did he need to ask Jesus how to get eternal life? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now to unpack this a little bit, we're just going to take a look at the lawyer. This man knows the law. He asks Jesus the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which Jesus answers with another question. What do the scriptures say? How do you read it? The lawyer gives an answer that shows he doesn't just know the law, but he actually knows the heart of the law. If he really listed everything that was written in the law, he literally wouldn't have stopped talking for a week. A whole week. So he summarizes what's widely accepted as like the heart of the whole thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replies, yeah, you know it, so go do it. And the lawyer in asking this question of Jesus is really what he's asking is like, which one do I choose? Mercy or sacrifice? Which one shows the justice of God? Follow the letter of the law or the heart of the law? He's looking for like a way out. If he could just do all the things perfectly, then his heart wouldn't have to be changed. Kind of sounds like me sometimes. 
He could just check his boxes without having to check his heart, his motives. And Jesus' answer to him refuses to confirm this. The lawyer presses on. He's still looking for a loophole. But who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers then in a less than comforting way. So let's keep reading. This is verse 29. Actually, this is verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, The one who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Jesus starts off with a character they can relate to. He's like your average Jose, traveling the road from Jerusalem to to Jericho. And it was notoriously dangerous because of robbers. This man is overtaken by robbers. He's left nearly dead. He's in need of a neighbor, someone to help him. As Jesus announces the priest going by, imagine with me. It looks like it would be very fortunate for the man, right? A priest, someone who represents God someone who um, will surely help a man who's dying on the side of the road, someone in good standing in society. But instead, the priest crosses the road to get further away from the dying man, and then he continues on. And then a Levite comes along, a temple assistant, someone who was also honored in Jewish society, and you can almost like feel the crowd getting their hopes up for the dying man to be saved, like, oh, poor Jose there. He's dying on the side of the road. Nope. He, he also just like crosses over to the other side, away from the dying man, and he continues his journey. And then enter the Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans are not exactly on speaking terms, to say the least. Jews hated Samaritans, and they had for generations. They were seen as half-breeds, like like a muggle versus like a mudblood or like, okay, not a muggle versus a mudblood. I just mixed that up. Like a true wizard versus a mudblood. It's like, <gasps> and all of the Harry Potter fans were like, how dare you mess that up? And all of the not Harry Potter fans were like, doesn't matter. Samaritans were seen as half-breeds. They were like lacking in morals, traitors to the law of God because they married outside of Jewish lineage. And they worshiped in a different place than the traditional Jews. And Jews considered themselves far superior to the Samaritans, and the term was actually used as an insult. So Jesus choosing this particular person is not an accident. It was intended to bring up the intense feelings those listening undoubtedly had at the mention of the word Samaritan. And then Jesus uses this 
hated person to demonstrate true neighboring. The Samaritan cleaned up the poor dying man. He gave generously of his own oil and wine provisions for his trip. And then he continues his generosity by paying for the for his stay and care at the inn. This is being a neighbor. This is reconciliation. This is justice and healing. Caring for those who are actually opposed to who you are. Those who refuse to validate your value or your views of life. Jesus is making a really clear statement here. You are really fulfilling the law. You're really choosing the way of justice when you choose the way of mercy. Even if everyone else would say you're completely justified in like ignoring the man or even just finishing him off. I think the lawyer, I think he heard Jesus really loud and clear and he was probably like still processing all of these things in his head. This idea that such a hated Samaritan could actually be the good guy in the story instead of the bad guy. Maybe that's why he couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan, that hated ethnic group. Instead of answering Jesus' question with the word the Samaritan, he just says the one who showed mercy. He gets the point. He still refuses to say the name of the hated man. And while the lawyer may not have wanted to admit it, this is a beautiful picture of God's justice. Those who have wronged others, those who have like driven a wedge between relationships, those who have destroyed what should have been built up for generations even, they're shown mercy. And not just mercy, but also generosity and hope and healing, a relationship rebuilt. And I want to point out the difference here between the kinds of justice that we might think of in our society and the kinds of justice that we see in the Bible. The kind of justice we see in the Bible is not retributive, based on punishment, negative consequences for negative action. That's not what it is. It's justice that is restorative. Say it with me, restorative. Restorative, there you go. Reconciliation is reached. Things are put back together and relationships are restored. It's hard to like imagine what that actually looks like in our society. So we need Jesus to show us what what God's justice, his mercy looks like for us. I saw this restorative justice, this healing work of God in my own life this week and it was super unexpected. Like not expected at all. I, I have several sisters. I've got three of them. Um, and one of them, we've been at odds for a few years. We never, like, came straight out and fought. We wouldn't have told anybody, like, oh, I don't like my sister or whatever. But there was, like, a lot of verbal sparring, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of misunderstanding. If I'm being honest, I gave up on her. It was too painful. I was so tired of trying to protect myself whenever I was around her. It became easier to just never speak, ignore her phone calls, to expect nothing. Because it was disappointing when my hope for a loving relationship wasn't met. And over time, I was convicted of my need to forgive her and apologize for my part but I didn't pursue that conversation 
because I didn't know how she would respond. Have you ever been in a situation like this? I was scared that she wouldn't understand or even know what I was talking about. Like, what are you talking about? We're fine. I continued praying, though, that God would give me an opportunity and that he would give me the courage to respond when that opportunity came up. So out of the blue, she calls me this week. And I almost didn't answer. It's funny what fear does to us, right? I was like, I don't want to. But I did for some reason. I answered the phone call. And we ended up talking for like an hour-ish about what was going on on in our lives. Kind of like skirting around the issue. Kind of just pretending there was nothing wrong. And I knew I couldn't hang up the phone without at least trying to have that conversation. If you've ever been here, you know that feeling of, like, dread. Like, I don't want to. And then the voice of the Holy Spirit over here is like, be obedient, be obedient. So I kind of tested the waters to see if, like, this was the time, if she would respond well. And as I kind of, like, poked it, what's going to happen? It was like the floodgates broke open. And she owned every way that she had hurt me and apologized for everything, things I hadn't even told her about, things I hadn't even told her had been hurtful to me, but had already forgiven her for because I had been like, I was torn up about this. I was bringing it to the Lord constantly. God, restore this relationship. But I'm scared. And I was able to apologize for the ways that I had hurt her. And I think I cried for the rest of the day, probably. I was just like so thankful for that reconciliation. That's just a small snapshot of what we experience in the mercy of grace in God. That is justice rolling down like water. Healed hurts and restored relationships. And now I'd like to pose this thought to you. Of the Good Samaritan as a picture of Jesus. It's weird because Jesus is the one telling this story, right? So, like, why wouldn't he just say it? Anyway. Uh, So the man who was despised and rejected, but who saw our need and freely, generously cared for us, he who was without sin entered into it. And he didn't just enter into it, but he bore the full result of it, the full result of sin, the full physical pain of crucifixion, and the full emotional and spiritual turmoil of being completely separated from God, even in that moment, Jesus' mind was on our spiritual healing as he forgave the criminals hanging on crosses next to him. By Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we're justified and healed. Our relationship with God, in whose image we are all made, is restored. And it's because of God's compassion that we are restored to him. In Hosea chapter 11, as God addresses the nation of Israel who has rejected him time and time and time again, we see God say this to his precious child, the nation of Israel. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim, For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. 
This is what defines God's justice. This is what Jesus is showing us, his compassion and his healing. Jesus demonstrates God's compassion for us in giving his whole self to redeem us, not holding back from all the pain he had to endure. And he demonstrates God's healing work by restoring our relationship to the Father. This is what God does because his love for us is so great and he is so full of mercy. Jesus' work of reconciliation is done. What was described in Amos, the rebuilding, the healing, it's happening as we speak right now. It's both done and it's still happening. We live in the time in between, the now and the not yet. You're like, what does that mean? It means that God's kingdom is here now and it's still coming. Jesus' work of healing, his just mercy, it's here. And he is still moving in our world today to set unjust injustice to justice, to take broken things and restore them. I want to ask you to bow your head with me as we move into a time of reflection. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time ever. But I want to give you a chance to respond to this message of justice, healing, and compassion. The God who created you wants a relationship with you. If you want to say yes to this restored relationship with God, I'd like you to just raise your hand right now. You can look at me while you do that. Thank you. Now for everyone in the room, I want you to just repeat after me as we pray this prayer. You might have prayed this prayer before. Essentially what it is, it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of repentance. We pray this prayer when we surrender our lives to Jesus for the first time. And we also pray this prayer as we continually, daily commit our lives to Jesus, the God who restores. So just repeat after me, if you will. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to salvation. I want to have a restored relationship with you. I surrender all of my life to you. I confess and turn away from the sin that has separated me from you. I want you to be the leader of my life. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for everyone in the room, Our response is to look for where God wants to bring justice to the world through his healing. This might be in your own life, a relationship with another person, like with my sister, or even with yourself. Maybe you've been at odds with what you see in yourself. What is it that needs to be restored? Where is that place that you want to invite God in to do his work of healing and reconciliation. If that's you, I just want to open the front for you to come and give that up to God. You can come up right now and invite him into it. Don't miss out on that opportunity. And another place this might be is in the world around you. 
Maybe God is calling you to do his work of justice in the world by addressing a specific injustice, something on the list that I read at the beginning or something else, a place that he wants to bring hope and healing through you. If that's you, I'd like you to just raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray that God would give you the courage to be faithful to that call. Is God calling you to address a specific injustice in the world? And I'm just going to pray for each of us that God would continue to reveal his justice through mercy, through healing to us. God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for the example that is Jesus who chose mercy when he could have chose wrath. Thank you that your justice is restorative. It doesn't pay back evil for evil but it heals the things that were broken. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue your work of healing, to restore our relationships. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to give us the courage to call out injustice in the world because your kingdom is here and it is coming. continue to move in your hearts and let justice roll down like waters. You're welcome to just stay and continue worshiping and doing work with the Lord, or you can be released now, whatever, whatever you want. Anyway, have a great week.